Hello, hello. You are tuned into a brand new episode of Thai Pod, and we are in great, great company today. So today we're joined by James Simpson. And if you have not been introduced to James, don't worry, I got you covered. He is the founder and CEO of Go Beyond Great, which is a coaching company for entrepreneurs who really want to overcome their limiting beliefs and get to the next level in their business. Now, James has a long-standing background in entrepreneurship. I'm not even going to spill the beans. I'm going to let him provide all of that color commentary. But just know this is your favorite type of conversation. We are digging behind the scenes, talking about what it truly takes to build multiple seven-figure businesses and really embrace this executive mindset, the way that we should be thinking as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as we continue to grow and scale our companies to the next level. So Y'all are so used to me saying this, but go ahead and get out your notebook. You may want to crack open a totally fresh one for this episode because we are going to dig in. Hello, my friend, it's Tiana Tai, Team Dynamics Consultant and Trained Industrial Organizational Psychologist, helping you to become a better leader than your last boss. And right now, you are tuning in to the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs building and leading teams, hiring, onboarding, management, or maybe you just want some general advice about building your business. Well, let me assure you, you are in the right place. So go ahead, crack open a fresh notebook because you are listening to Tipod. This episode is brought to you by the Expecting CEO Affirmation Deck. I'm telling y'all, I was honestly a bit overwhelmed as soon as my husband and I decided that we were going to start trying to conceive. It was this idea of adding on another layer of responsibility, another role on top of showing up every day as a CEO, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend, right? So instead of falling into that fear spiral, which I tried, I started to really lean into mindset work. And that began this beautiful journey of identifying negative beliefs and doing the work to shift them into affirmations. And that's exactly how the Expecting CEO Pregnancy Affirmation Card Deck was born, pun intended. So whether it's you or a loved one that is running your business and growing a human at the same time, the Expecting CEO Pregnancy Affirmation Card Deck is a resource unlike any other. Each affirmation was curated specifically with business owners in mind. Head on over to the expectingceo.com slash affirmation deck to snag yours today. So James, before I just like spill all the beans about your fantastic history, which I happen to have some behind the scenes on, I would love to just have you really introduce yourself to the community and kind of tell everybody what you're all about. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. I appreciate that. Such an honor. And yes, I'm James Simpson. I'm a high performance coach. And to just kind of, you know, put a little, I don't know, some more detail around what is a high performance coach, it simply means that we have business coaches, we have strategists, et cetera. And then I help people think higher. I help people believe bigger and I help people see further for themselves. And what happens is my average client 
comes to me either when they're stuck or hopefully idealistically right before they get stuck. And they have that ceiling, that limiter. It's like, you know what? I know I can go further. I know I have more capacity, but I don't know how to, to get past the ceiling. I hate, I help them break through that ceiling. And essentially what my company is called, go beyond great, go beyond great in their life, in their business. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I own other businesses. Most of the other businesses I own are in the health and wellness space. I own brick and mortar gyms and I own a online coaching and a nutrition company. And then this business is a coaching and consulting company for six, seven, and eight figure entrepreneurs. All righty. So you got to give the people like the spiel. You got to tell them a little bit about that because like, you're just like, yeah, I own a couple other companies. I'm like, Jake, come on. So, yeah, I, I got an entrepreneurship in the early 2000s. And upon getting an entrepreneurship, right on the right before one of the first real estate, now, they, they, I believe they said, well, that was the biggest economic depression of our, you know, era. And so I'm going in, making money, seven figure year, boom, the economy tanks, everything, you know, bottoms out. Who's the first person to go? Go, oh, your personal trainer. That's your discretionary funds. That's where you're spending money. So simply cross it off the budget. And I'm like, wait, what do I do? And so that was one of the prime, I mean, I would still say one of my most foundational lessons learned in terms of entrepreneurship. And that was essentially, number one, putting an offer, what I now call a beyond great offer, putting in an irresistible, an offer that people can cannot say no to. Because the thing was, I was an option. You know, it was like, hey, who do we get rid of? How do we save money? Well, this guy over here. You're going to see your trainer, you're paying three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month to you don't need a trainer. And my average clientele, 97, 98% of women. So they're like, okay, you know, it makes sense. Well, it didn't make sense to me. I have bills to pay. I'm helping you look better, feel better, move better. It wasn't just about losing weight. Um, I was helping women, mostly women, but helping them, women and men transform their health, blood pressure, cholesterol, seeing all kinds of things change. But right when that happened, it caused them to start having a different type of thinking. And so instead of happening, instead of having reactive thinking, um, I started going, let's be proactive. So I had to become reactive for a moment because we hadn't experienced that. No one knew what to do. It was very similar, you know, different, but similar thought process of COVID in response to that. That's why COVID didn't affect me the way that quite the way it did everyone else. But it was just thinking, hey, how do what do I do different now? And no longer considering what others saw as options for me. Case in point, going back to corporate America, that was not an option for me. So once I removed that option off the table, then the other options presented themselves. And I found as an entrepreneur, a lot of people leave options on the table that they say aren't actually options. And when you do that, it's going to constantly cause your attention to look at those things and you give energy and attention to those things. And when you do, you're taking energy and attention from something else. So grew that business, essentially that business kind of imploded and then grew that, started over again, rebranded, grew it, I, I would say all over again, built it back up 
and then realize, well, there's some gaps in here. Nutrition was one of those gaps, service that space, did it brick and mortar locally within my three to five mile radius in my community, in my city, and then realized there was a niche to be filled online with other people, did that as well. And then I've been helping, I would say, mainly seven-figure entrepreneurs online, or not even online, seven-figure entrepreneurs um, in general, just around my community, in my friend group, et cetera. People are like, hey, I can't get past 200, 300, 500,000. Okay, this is what I did. This is what worked. Very flippantly, I didn't know and see the significance of making seven figures because I'm not going to say it was easy. It wasn't easy. It was simple for me because of how I thought and how my brain broke things down. And I don't, I believe the road is a challenging road. But I believe if you know where the hurdles, the pitfalls, uh, the bumps are, it, it can be much more simple than we make it. So kind of like having a map and going to a destination and go trying to get to the same destination without a map. So I essentially started my consulting company by giving people this map on their journey to seven figures and then did that privately, started doing it publicly in the last year and a half and had essentially... Um, you know, I say I don't want to say a public offering. That's the technical term of an IPO, but offered my coaching service publicly, and then from there, you know, we've scaled go beyond great, and it's going well. Helping other entrepreneurs. That's where your path and my paths crossed, in terms of another um, client who was one of your coaches and a friend of mine, and then we crossed paths. Found out your brilliance and you know the significance of what you do and how you think such. To find out in the last, what, six months when you and I were talking or three months, I don't remember which retreat that was where you're like, yep, work with eight figure brands and businesses and blah. And just to see the shift in your brain, I remember that moment, your face to realize it was kind of like, wait, I really am that good. I kind of know what I'm talking about. And um, I love that. That's why I do what I do to help people rediscover, like, how great they are or discover for the first time how great they are. Ooh, and then move beyond it. <laughs> look, yes. look at us incorporating. Look at you. Look at you over here with the branding. I love it. Now, I love the fact, like, I want to call out something that you said earlier, and it was woven throughout everything you just shared with us. The difference between something being simple and something being easy, Right. And so what I'm hearing from you is a lot of times, especially as entrepreneurs, and we tend to be go-getters and we tend to have all of the ideas and be visionaries, we can overcomplicate a process that truly could be simple. It doesn't make it easy. It's still challenging. Like you said, there's still the pitfalls and hurdles, but we do tend to overcomplicate things for ourselves. That's, I don't even know if tend to is the best. <laughs> we always have will and i think forever I, I just it's innate it's the way we're wired it's the way our brain thinks and that's because we've left those options on the table um we especially i think if i'm looking through this geographically um nationally if i'm if i start breaking this up into categories i definitely think it's a way for people of color um i think it's just because of how we've been educated, because of legacy, because of 
the the miseducation and the lack of education, we think, you know what? Instead of instead of the old Robert Frost poem of two roads diverge and the road less traveled, we're like, wait a second. What, which one's easy? Which one's hard? Let's go the hard route. Okay. Because the that's too good to be true. That can't be the way. I'm a hard worker. I believe that we we are something for there's a badge right now that is getting passed out for hard workers. And I think hard workers and work ethic don't always go hand in hand. I'm finding a lot of clients who pride themselves on working hard, but don't pride themselves on working smart. I pride myself now, and I did that for years. I pride myself on now not being only the hardest worker in the room, but being the smartest hard worker in the room. And that's the difference because you need to know what not to do. You don't need to just put your head down and work. Sometimes you need to put, lift your head up and go, wait, I'm the only one doing this this way. The rest of the class is finishing going home. Why am I still here? And that's where the simplicity comes. Ooh, come on with the analogy. Okay. I, I would love to hear from you. You know, you transitioned. I won't say transition because you've still got all the businesses, all the companies, but you went from the brick and mortar health and wellness space to this high level coaching, um, being a high performance coach. And so I'm really curious kind of about the early days in that high performance coaching. What mm -hmm. did the business model look like? Like, did you start with people support, like start with people on your team supporting you? I'm just really curious about how things looked, um, maybe even just like a year and a half ago when you started taking things more public, as we said. Well, I'll do exactly, I'll tell you the truth. I did exactly what I just said all entrepreneurs do. I had a booming business over here that I could essentially could have, I could have just said, you know what? Take a little loan, get a little money, go over here, build some stuff out, hire a team, scale it quickly. That would have been the simple thing to do. But there was a little ego in there. Um, there was some pride in there. I was like, you know what? I'm bootstrapping this sucker. I'm going to prove to everybody who I am and that I don't need any money and I didn't need this business to help me. Don't ask me why I took that route, um, but I did. And it was just me. Um, got a little office, just said, hey, I'm going to show up, do the work. And I was actually in one of my gym locations, space there. Then I went to another location, space there, grew it. And I believe everyone, if you're in coaching and consulting, you start off with just yourself. That's a smart thing to do. Um, make sure a your offers work. You know what you're doing. Your expertise is real, um, authentic, and it's needed in the marketplace. And then from there, okay, you need to get some type of assistance, administrative, et cetera. My actual, I had some virtual assistant help. My next hire was um, my videographer. That was my next. That was my first full time hire. And then from there, hiring part, I still have. Uh, part-time help in terms of virtual assistant, part-time help in terms of community management, uh, customer service, um, administrative content, create, you know, people that help behind the scenes over there. But full-time, my only full-time employee right now is videographer and cinematographer because he does, that's, I do, I produce a lot of media. And on the back of that, we're starting a media company this year. So, I much prefer producing media, producing content. And I think my next hire is going to be administrative. She's actually in the final round of interviews right now. 
So she will come on in. Um, that'll be my next full-time hire. Ooh, well, congratulations on all fronts. That's really exciting. Um, for those who are actually catching us on YouTube, y'all can see the production quality. So I can see how we're going <laughs> to move into that as well. I find it really interesting that you started off um, in terms of like a full-time hire with the videographer and really with that emphasis on content. That's not something that we hear spoken about a lot. But as an entrepreneur who I'm, I identify as a consultant primarily, do a little bit of coaching, but I do identify as a consultant. And especially in the online space, content is king. So I get it. But can you talk to us a little bit about like your thought process behind making that one of your first full-time hires in the company? Yes. So I believe two major roles are in every business, um, even if they don't exist. The roles exist, excuse me, even if they aren't filled. That's the visionary, and that is the integrator. So your integrator, in a perfect world, if I run a company, I'm always the visionary. Um, that's that's the seat. And I don't say that in any kind of um, arrogant space. That's my genius. That's my gift. Operations, I understand, can fulfill them, but I would much rather have a high-level integrator, someone that can do what I do on the visionary level, on an integrator's level. So that's chief operations officer. You give me a chief operations officer and we can start blind in pretty much any niche and I can make that a million dollar company inside of eight months. And if they're a hard worker, we can do it inside of six. If they're insane uh, and a little off like me, we can probably get it there. We can get it to a million dollars in three to four months. Don't really need much else other than those two. And especially if they're a coach and consultant because the sky is the limit there. And so realizing, man, do I go get an integrator or do I just break everything and fix it after the fact? Well, for me, this is not recommended advice for everyone. I believe in chaos and I believe in, you know, the chaos theory because what I find is people want everything to look pretty. And you know as well as I know as an entrepreneur, 99% of things don't look pretty. So they look, they need to look pretty on the front end. They need to look, they need to be functional. But it's kind of like your house. You know, we shoot the little videos. It's like, oh, here's my living room and, and here's my bedroom. And, it, and as soon as that camera, it goes off, 10 minutes after, pillows are over here. Whose shoes are these? We don't even know where some of this stuff belongs. And that's just the reality of it. And, and for those of you that are watching, it just completely have your life together and everything's buttoned up. Kudos to you. Uh, my thought process is you're just not doing enough. That's just my opinion. Because when everything is working together fluidly all the time, I believe you're living, living beneath your potential. I believe there's a point where you should create enough chaos in our life. And I'm not saying chaotic that disturbs peace. Don't don't misunderstand me. Chaos to put a ding in the universe, to impact people, because I believe this premise, you're either focused or you're balanced. When you're in focus, things are out of balance. When you're focused, when you're, excuse me, when you're in focus, things are out of balance. And when you're in balance, things are out of focus. So when I'm focused on growing my company, the rest of my life is out of balance. When I'm focused on balance and spending time with family and friends and vacationing and getting time to, you know, re-energize, et cetera, for myself, 
okay, I'm not focused on business. So there, we have those ebb and flows and things are just going to look a little chaotic. So for me, that hire for videographer was to go, I want to create chaos. I want that chaos to be captured. I don't essentially have the time to be walking around with an iPhone and a selfie stick. And I wanted it to be extremely authentic. I wanted, there are times when my videographer, you know, has a camera on and I don't even see it until after the fact. And I'm talking crazy and, you know, you guys are going to see lost files on my YouTube channel <laughs> comes out. You're like, wow, this is really behind the scenes. And I don't know. So it's kind of like real world reality TV stuff going on sometimes around here. And it is what it is. But for me, I knew I wanted to, I started with the end in mind. I knew where I wanted to end up. I love media. I love video. I love um, capturing those moments. And I said, you know what? I can love this way better than I can someone administratively for me. I, I love the fact that you share that. And I think for me, what it brings to the surface is understanding who you are and what you're trying to build and where you're trying to go first, period. Any decision making comes out of that understanding. And so sometimes, and I'm like calling myself out here, sometimes y'all, we do have to slow down to speed up in that way, like slow down and get a very clear understanding of exactly who you are, how you want to show up, what that envision is, because then you can create the chaos, take the messy action, do all of the things but I see way too often, especially in the work that I do, uh, people building businesses, building out processes, systems, all this complex structure, and then they change their mind about the vision. And I, I understand we evolve and we, we do change. So like we do need to break the businesses every once in a while. But to build something that we're going to burn down in three months, I think is like a, is a little much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot much. And that's, I'm glad you said messy action. That's really what it comes down to is we overthink. And so when I, when I, when I say chaos, it's do things imperfectly. Don't have a fleshed out plan for every single thing. Now, because, and this is to the audience, the, the, the people that have been here a couple of years, once you get to a point in entrepreneurship where it's, you know, you can build out a team. I can say some things now and they can get done in certain businesses and they need me as the visionary and the thought leader, everything else we have people to, to do. But in every business, you know, I, I don't come in and just bring on a team and go, let's get it done. That's where I'll probably be by the end of this year, the middle of next year to where I'll start businesses and the fun will be bring on a team, get it done, see how quickly we can get this done, scale it and teach other people to do it. But there's a process to all of that into building those and finding those A players. And I, I think in that, in, in discovering that genius, I have to create chaos to see how much can we stress test this? Can we, can we put this under pressure and see if this idea, this, you know, offer or whatever it is, does it break? Does it crack? And that's what I like to see before I take it to the marketplace. To know if it's if it's worth its salt, if I'm worth my salt. Mm. Well, I love the self-reflection that's involved in that. And so I'd like to pivot a little bit and kind of piggyback off of that. And I want to hear from you, James. What mm. type of leader do you think you are? How would you describe yourself from from a not just I'm leading my community, but from a I've got a team and I pay people's 
you know, I'm a, I have payroll and I'm someone's boss. Well, how would you describe yourself as a leader? It's funny that you say that. I don't even, I'm very, people don't have to stay around me that long to realize that I'm, I'm alpha. Um, but I don't carry myself internally. If you walked into the walls of my company and talk to people, I'm very driven, very headstrong. I make a decision. It is what it is. Um, I said what I said, but I'm open for a dialogue of expertise and intelligence. That means that if you're going to challenge me or have a conversation with me about something I feel strongly about, do it from a data-driven in intellectual standpoint, not from a feelings and emotional, oh, I think that should, we, could, we should go this way. Um, because I made my decision off of data. I made my decision off of a decade or two decades of experience. So I think they would say that he's very, very straightforward. He is straight to the point. He does not like to waste time mixing words. Um, he believes in emotions. He believes in feelings, but he prioritizes facts over them. He's someone I can go to. I would say that all of my employees see me as their friend as well. And that can be challenging because we do have a, a friendship where they can come to me, but it's out of respect of knowing who this person is. I do let people know the difference between us. The main difference is I sign the front of the check, you sign the back. Aside from that, there we're, we're the same, but that means you need to have a high level of respect for me. I do not under any circumstances tolerate disrespect. I do not tolerate lack of loyalty and lack of integrity. Those are some of the few core values that that really resonate with me personally and supersede company values. Because um, you might misstep in the company, but don't misstep with who I am and who you are, uh, because that will that, that will cause us. I don't fire people. I tell people they disqualify themselves from employment. You're no longer qualified to work here. So since the qualifications, you know, you don't fit those qualifications. Goodbye. You you disqualified yourself. It's not a me thing. It's a you thing. So I would I would say that um you know I don't see myself as some hard you know I don't I don't know I don't see myself as this over the top boss I don't even like to be referred to in the offices as this is my boss it's like hey this is a guy that has the responsibility to steward the finances and pay me and so I tell them you do what you need to do and pull as much off my plate. So I can do what I need to do to bring money in to take care of you. And that's, you know, and we, let's have fun doing it. Let's have a lot of fun. I like to kick it and have fun and act silly and crazy. But at the same time, when it's time to work, I will tell everyone knows me. I'm the person that's like, okay, guys, let's get back to it. Let's get serious. Put our heads down and we can come up for air later. But we need to get this accomplished. That part. No, I've got to tell you, James, I think it must have been at some retreat that we were at or something where you were speaking and you made that same comment about I don't fire people. People disqualify themselves from working with me. I have never, you know, considering the fact that I'm always working with teams and leaders at this level, I have never heard it phrased quite that way. And I will never forget. Like, I've been like, no, I don't know if you know, James, but he used this phrase and you got to stick with this one. <laughs> It's so phenomenal. And it made me think actually a little bit off topic, but y'all stick with me here. It made me think I heard this therapist the other day talking about boundaries 
And she was speaking about the fact that when it comes to boundaries, people miss this nuance, which is we no one can actually cross or disrespect our boundaries because your boundary is in your direct control. And so if someone were to act against whatever that boundary is, it's still in your control. You just remove them from your environment. They never have the power to disrespect the boundary because it's like, oh, this, okay, mm -mm, time to go. And we don't give them that agency in our lives. And I loved hearing her speak about that. And so what you're saying around, no, I don't have to fire you, disqualified yourself. It's that same sentiment, which is, I have communicated exactly what I need out of this relationship. Hopefully you've communicated the same to me, you know, everything being mutually beneficial for us around here. But now that I've communicated that, we're just making decisions out here. So are you deciding to disqualify yourself? If so, all right, best of luck. Completely up to you. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. People think boundaries are there for everyone else. And for them to, it's like, look, my boundaries are here. As guardrails, it's kind of like going on the highway. When you go off the road a little bit, you hear that little noise sometimes, that little, you know, to let your car know, look. You're getting close. And if you're not careful and you run off, you'll hit a guardrail. And we do some damage to the vehicle, some damage to some property. And if you don't course correct quickly, then you're, you're going to have an accident next. I see boundaries is the same way. It's They're there to, to go, wait, hey, you just hit that? Course correct now or there's an accident about to occur. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm not calling my insurance company. So it's going to be on you. You're the one liable for this accident. And can, are you willing, can you pay, not financially, but mentally, emotionally, and maybe financially, can you pay for this? Are you willing to suffer this type of loss? And that's what happens in an accident. You know, I, I worked in insurance years ago, and that's what we call it. In the claims process, there's a loss. Are you willing to suffer that? So sometimes we just have our, you know, our annual meeting and I'm like, look, Right now, this is going in the wrong direction. This is what you need to do to remain qualified. You're two steps from being disqualified. You know, this is how we can rectify this. You're an adult. I'm not babysitting one. I don't believe in micromanagement. I essentially don't even believe in true management of people. I believe we manage situations and we lead people. So I have a different perspective around a lot of those things. So that being said, I just tell people, look, come in here, do your work. You want to work nine to five? Fine. You want not work nine to 12? Fine. You want to work at 2 a.m.? Fine. I just need my stuff done. And these are the times which I need it. These are the times that we need to be able to communicate. Aside from that, do what you want. You're an adult. Just make sure I get what I need. That's it. I'll make sure you get what you need twice a month. And then anytime in between there that you need access to any other things, let me know. My door is open. But please, there's a much higher chance of you getting what you need from me when I get what I need from you. Simple. That look simple. Simple. Not, not saying not easy, but it's simple. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by ClickUp. Now look, there are a lot of project management systems out there, and this is a question that I get pretty much on a weekly basis. Which system should I choose? Now, you know my belief, your system is highly dependent on how you work and how your team works best. However, I am not shy about sharing my favorite of the bunch. 
it's ClickUp. When it comes to daily team management, I have personally found that ClickUp provides everything you need. My team uses ClickUp for just task management, to house our headquarter resources, and for ongoing communication. My favorite part, with the unlimited version, you get access to the dashboards, which has totally replaced Slack for us, and I am a streamlined systems type of woman. I highly recommend it if you have a team, and guess what? It couldn't be easier or better. You can go to tianatai.com slash clickup and get 50% off of your very first year. I'm telling you. 50% off. Just head to www.tianatai.com slash clickup to snag that today. So speaking of not easy, let's go back to that conversation around some things are simple, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some obstacles or some challenges that pop up and throw us for a loop. So I'm curious. I mean, you've been in the game a very long time. Is there any story, any situation when it comes to internal team members um, that stands out as a big learning lesson for you that kind of helped to shape the way that you think about these things now? Yeah, I would say um, over-communicate expectations, um, desires, do not leave any expectations vague. Never do that. Um <laughs> If you're going to have a long conversation in business, do it in the hiring process. I definitely believe in hiring slow and firing fast. Um, I know that we hear that and it can become cliche-ish, but that's something that that's one adage I hold true. Take your time. What people are like, oh my God, I got to fill this position. And okay, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. That's actually a simple thing to do. But Training that person, onboarding that person, spending time answering questions to that person for them to leave or be terminated or quit or over the course of four months. That investment, the ROI being nil and starting back over, that, that is a hard, hard, hard. That was one of the things that I learned. And I was fortunate my very first administrative hire stay with me for nine years yeah plus or minus i mean it, if she's visions of watching this it could be 10 it could have been seven and a half it was a long freaking time and i think it just came down to just open honest communication she saw me when business was going great she saw me when we went from you know um 18 months in 150 thousand dollar months to zero dollars and we had an honest conversation. What do you, I said, what do you need? She said, I want to stay with you. I said, what do you need? She said, I need to pay my bills. Can you list out your bills? Yes. For the next 90 days, if I can pay these bills, will you stay here? Yes. Made it my mission to pay the bills. This is, she. it was a real conversation. Humans, you know, it wasn't, oh, I need 401. I need it. No, it was like, this is what I need. All right. Mortgage, car, this, this, this gave me a very clear budget, you know, and I honored that by making sure I did the same thing for myself and I wasn't out here living it up and making sure she wasn't taken care of. So it was a very open, transparent relationship for the first, that next year, I let her see all the numbers in business. She essentially saw everything. I said, Hey, I'm going to be focused on just earning. I want you to trim the fat over here. I trust you enough here. 
we had a weekly, we started off with a weekly financial meeting. Didn't even have enough money to be meeting financially, but I wanted transparency. So that was in part of that honesty. That was important to me. And it built the fabric of trust in our relationship that I could have gone to ask her for anything. She'd come ask me for anything. And she did for the next seven or so years. Um, so that was a big learning lesson to me is understanding, you know, for me, one of my core values was trust. Another thing in that in the first couple of years that I wish I would have done sooner. I read this book. Um, it's a pen name. Um, Michael Masterson, Ready, Fire, Aim. Now, those of you that are, you know, book readers, this is a full four-year degree. So it's a thick book. But if you can get to Ready, Fire, Aim, I believe, and you can apply it. You can definitely, you're going to grasp nothing short of a bachelor's degree of entrepreneurship. And my brain was already figuring and getting these things. He structured it out on a C-suite level. So I had C-suite experience. I pulled the C-suite knowledge and experience from, from my knowledge and experience and from the book, put it together, formulated this in, inside of entrepreneurship, created my own framework, and then started creating core values. That's when I saw a huge shift in company culture. Um, and I will tell every entrepreneur out there, if you don't have core values, create core values. I mean, and you don't even have to know how to do it. I'm going to be honest. It's real simple. What matters to you? What do you value? Start there and allow them to, to live and breathe as an organism, grow with the company, grow with leaders as you grow your company, as you bring on other key roles, directors, leaders, et cetera, you're going to say, okay, company values have kind of expanded. That's fine. Let them grow and expand, but have something in place that you can say, these, this is how we do business. This is the compass in the, uh, by which we go about our daily business, you know? So, and knowing thyself is one of my core values. And we talked about awareness. That's super important to me learning something new every day. That's one of my core values. Love, protect, and respect clients and teams. So you'll hear me when I tell stories, you can always tie one of those stories back to, oh, this is important to him. This is why it's a story because it's stuck in his mind for two, three, four, five, ten 10 years. Because why? It either broke a core value or it was in alignment with a core value. So I definitely believe one of my biggest learning lessons is trust and that trust came on the back of going hey we need core values and i would say that would be that all of my hiring from that point on that's the conversation i asked myself three questions would i buy this person a drink at the bar and sit and talk with him for hours if i can do that second would i allow this person you'll be able to answer this question and you'll understand the very significance of it the next year would i let them watch my daughter you know just babysit my child um, and if that answer is yes, then I move forward. And then it just gets into, can I really, really trust you? Like, are you, are you simply a douchebag? Like, just don't be a douchebag. Cause it's, it sounds so simple, but there are people that are just, God, for lack, there's so many other colorful ideas I, I would use, but I feel like the synonym for all of them that we can say that is still somewhat kid friendly 
is just like, don't be that person. Don't be that guy or that girl that, um, you know, no one really wants to be. So that's the third one. I know that one is super vague, but it's just like, yeah, don't be a douchebag. Be nice. Be kind. So if I can buy you a drink, we can talk for hours and, you know, about anything. That's a good sign. You're personable. Then if I say, oh, I will let them watch my child. Okay, I can trust you um, because if I at any point think you would cause any harm, that's a whole nother part of James that you don't want to see. And then, yeah, just, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, aka don't be a douchebag because we don't want to run into those. So once I can find those two things, then it's like, okay, you're eligible for employment. That is so much more important to me than skill set. There are people out here that hire on expertise alone. I believe in entrepreneurship, that is one of the biggest mistakes that you will ever make in hiring, is hiring strictly off a resume. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I can come into any of y'all's companies, fake a resume, and get hired tomorrow doing anything because I'm a phenomenal interviewer. I am phenomenal. Like, I will, whether I'm lying, whether I'm telling the truth, you won't know the difference. I will have all kinds of so my last nine posts on instagram are going to look like what you need them to look like and you're laughing because you know it's so true it's like wow i met the representative the representative awesome yeah wait till we see who shows up for work monday it will not be the representative and so yeah i just that's why i have those those conversations now with myself and say yeah when I want to sit with this person and, you know, buy them a drink and have a two hour conversation. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I always love to hear other leaders, just honest thoughts, color commentary around the way that they kind of approach it, because just hearing different people describe it in different ways is always really helpful. Now, quick reminder for those who haven't been around, because we are on like, by, by the time this episode comes out, I think we're in the episode 90-ish realm. So shout out to us. But episode 31 is all about defining core values specifically for your business. So if you need to walk through that, free lesson for you right there. Start there. Like James said, make sure it's fully embedded in your hiring process that you're asking questions that don't spoon feed them and be like, well, integrity is important to me. So blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. We want to ask questions that just kind of get at the spirit of whatever those core values are. And then you or whoever is doing the interviewing on your behalf can really decipher if they're speaking towards that spirit or if some things aren't really jiving. You know, that's the piece of hiring that isn't quite so objective. That's the piece that's a little bit of an art form. But whether it's you or your integrator or your OBM, y'all can learn it. Okay, so with that aside, James, we are wrapping up our conversation it has been so phenomenal. You've dropped so many gems. I think I just want to give you one final opportunity to speak to the entrepreneur who is really just trying to take the simple path, stop overcomplicating, lead into leadership, and really embody this executive mindset. So I said a whole bunch of words just then, but just any final thoughts based on this conversation that you want to share with people as like the last takeaway for them? Yeah, I would say, you know, after know thyself, trust thyself. And that comes into intuition. I believe we have excellent intuition as a child. 
Uh, we talk to children all the time and children will say, mommy, I don't trust him or I don't like her. Or, uh, you know, even if you're a single parent, you're dating again, you'll talk to your child. Nope, don't like him. Why? Come to find out three years later, they weren't that good of a person. And so that intuition, that fire gets, it starts to get put out. It gets put out with school teachers and unfortunately through the educational system, through our parents, through our grandparents, our friends, our circle. And because of our environment, that flame starts to get put out. And then as an adult, we don't, we make decisions. Um, it takes us forever. You know, it, it creates procrastination, it creates doubt. And when those things creep in, our confidence wanes. And so then you don't trust yourself and you're forever take, you're taking forever to make a decision. You make these simple and easy decisions extremely difficult and hard. And so uh, my grandmother used to say, we make mountains out of molehills. And so that being said, trust yourself, lean into your intuition, find it. Now you have to go through that process. You have to essentially know yourself. Once you get to know yourself, you know that you're trustworthy. Once you get to know, okay, I can trust myself. Then you, you go and say, you know what, what is my gut telling me here? And in those phases, if you're having trouble in any of those phases, that's where you go, okay, personally, I need to hire a therapist and get somebody to help me get to know myself and, and unearth some of these things. Maybe it's, you know, trauma, maybe it's this, that I'm not here to say what it is, but get some professional help around that. I definitely think all entrepreneurs, well, all people breathing should have some level of, um, therapy and, and care, something mental, someone there to help them mentally. That's my personal belief. And beyond that, entrepreneurs, you need to go and say, okay, I've got someone to help me personally. Who's helping me professionally? I do believe you need to find a coach. You need to find a consultant for those of you out there that um, you're listening to Tiana for a reason and you're making that decision to say, this is the girl that I believe can help me. My question is, why, why are you not working with her? Why, if you're stuck and you're not scaling and you know this is the person that can help you, my question to you is why? You look foolish if your car's on the side of the road. Someone says, hey, I see you had a flat. Do you need help? And you're saying no, but you know they can help you. That's exactly what's happening. Your business is on the side of the road and you have a flat and you're not moving anymore. And this is someone who can help you. So I'd be remiss to say I've been in, I've been around her now for almost a year and it has been good company every time, very intelligent. And she supersedes her intelligence with actions. So she actually does what you know she knows and practices it. So people that practice it now are very hard to find. There are a lot of smart people out there, there but there are not a lot, a lot of smart people practicing what they know. And that comes to show her discipline. So I would say find someone that is doing what you that you want to do or already done what you want to do and then say you know what help me develop this intuition by showing up and practicing and doing what it is i need to do every day so that's my advice you know um find that person after you get to know yourself and you get to trust yourself and you find that intuition and anything that's lacking in that space get a coach Get someone, a consultant, find someone that can help you fill those gaps um, through a variety of ways. And don't think, I want to tell everyone out there, I know your mom told you, your dad told you, your grandparents told you that you were special. So I'm not saying that you're not, but please understand you're not so special and unique. You're not the, the only person that has this problem. Include Me included, we've had problems. They're all solvable. 
and you can overcome them no matter who you are. If you're listening to this, your problem is solvable. You are your problem, but you are also your solution. Ooh, come on with the mic drop moment. Well, let me also just acknowledge and say thank you because I know that it takes a level of trust to even speak life over someone like you just did for me. So all in the feels, but thank you. I appreciate it. So for those people who have been listening to this entire show and they're like, well, I also trust James. You know what I'm saying? He has dropped whatever gem, whatever just like igniting thing that I needed to hear. And I want to make sure that I can get more of that. Can you please tell everyone how they can connect with you? Yes. Um, I myself, just like you, have a podcast coming out. So we're super excited about that. And that's called the Beyond Great CEO Show. So you'll be able to look that up in all places that podcasts will be found in the next two, three months. But right now, the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm trying to bring everything down to one spot so you can just connect with me directly on there, find out offers, what do I have going on in business. But that is where you will find a snippet of who I am in my life. I am a private person, but I am an extroverted person. So I'm starting to share a little bit more there. But any questions that you have, reach out to me. I do answer all of my messages and DMs. And that's I am James Simpson. So just go to Instagram. Love to connect with you. Love to chat with you. And then, you know, we can kind of ebb and flow around the uh, the Internet and you can kind of stalk me as you see fit. On these internet streets, y'all, per usual, we will make sure to put everything in the show notes for you. So wherever you're seeing this, we've got you covered. You can definitely connect with James there. Well, thank you so much, James. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.